As I've mentioned before on this podcast, there are a great many things that were originally invented in ancient China. There are literally hundreds of inventions that were developed in China before they were introduced anywhere else. However, there are just four inventions in particular that stand out as having revolutionized not just Chinese civilization, but the entire world. Learn more about the four great inventions of ancient China and how they got to the rest of the world on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream. I've talked many times before about CuriosityStream, but if you still haven't gotten a subscription, you really need to consider doing it. CuriosityStream has thousands of educational and documentary programs covering a wide range of subjects. I personally watch CuriosityStream several times a week, and I've used their programs to get ideas for this podcast as well as doing show research. You can get an entire year of CuriosityStream for less than $20. It's so cheap that you almost can't afford to not get it. If you're remotely curious about the world you live in, go to everything-everywhere.com slash CuriosityStream to start your subscription today. Once again, that's everything-everywhere.com slash CuriosityStream. One of the interesting things about China is that they love lists. There are all sorts of things throughout Chinese history that is in list form. There are the Four Great Beauties, the Eight Immortals, the Seven Warring States, the Three Kingdoms, and the Gang of Four. It should come as no surprise that there's such a thing as the Four Great Inventions. However, what makes the Four Great Inventions such an odd list for China is that the list was actually created by someone British. 
The four great inventions were actually concocted by British historian and sinologist Joseph Needham. He spent a good portion of his life collecting and documenting examples of Chinese inventions and technology. He published his first book on the subject in 1954, where he listed many Chinese inventions which were originally thought to be European inventions. These included mechanical clocks, plowshares, cast iron, stirrups, and the saddle. In the 16th century, there was a meme floating around Europe called the Three Great Inventions, which were attributed to the greatness of Europe, or more specifically sometimes Germany. They might have been created by English philosopher Francis Bacon. And these three things were the printing press, gunpowder, and the compass. As explorers began frequently visiting China, they realized that all of those great inventions had been around in China for centuries before they appeared in Europe. So, as part of his work and setting the record straight, Needham created the Four Great Inventions of China, a list that has subsequently gained widespread approval from scholars in China itself. The Four Great Inventions of Ancient China are the three listed before, the printing press, gunpowder, and the compass, and the fourth being paper. One of the reasons I'm doing this episode now is because I want to do future episodes on each of the inventions which I haven't covered already, and I felt this was a good overview that could be referenced later on. So with that, let's briefly go through the four great inventions of China, with the understanding that I'll be giving most of them a more in-depth treatment in a future episode. Let's start with the printing press. If you remember, I've dealt with this subject in a previous episode when I asked the question, if Gutenberg really invented the printing press? And the answer to almost every variation of the question was, no. Gutenberg didn't invent the printing press, he didn't invent movable type, and he didn't invent metallic movable type. All of these were invented centuries earlier in China. Of the four great inventions, this is the one which we can say for certain did not transfer from China to Europe. The other three are rather simple and can easily be transferred. A printing press is very large, unwieldy, and it requires an expert to work it. We have enough documentation from Gutenberg and the funding he raised to know that he tinkered by himself for years to perfect his printing press. It was created independently, but it was not created first. Why did Gutenberg's printing press catch on and spread so quickly, whereas Chinese printing did not? Despite the creation of movable type, China mostly stuck with block printing until the 19th century. Block printing is when you carve an entire page out of a single block, usually of wood. This was mainly due to the thousands of Chinese characters which made block printing more practical than movable type. The smaller number of Latin characters made movable type much easier and cheaper. The political system in China also tended to centralize information, whereas in Europe there were many competing states and religions all vying to get information out. The second great invention, and the one which complements the printing press, is paper. There were surfaces for writing before the invention of paper. The Egyptians developed papyrus, but papyrus is not paper. Papyrus is almost a woven material. It's time-consuming to create, and it's only created with the papyrus plant. Likewise, parchment is used for writing, but it requires animal skins, and it's expensive and time-consuming to produce. Parchment was so valuable that it was often reused by scraping off the ink from previous writings. Paper is superior to papyrus and much cheaper than parchment. The earliest evidence of paper in China goes back to the 2nd century BC. Its invention is often attributed to a Han Dynasty court official known as Kai Lun, but it probably predates him. The process probably started off with rags and cloth. They would be pounded in water until they became fibers, and from there they would then create a mat which was dried out. Eventually, the idea was expanded to the bark of trees. 
Paper allowed the Chinese to affordably record and transmit ideas, as well as allowing for the creation of paper money, and eventually even toilet paper. The creation of toilet paper was a testament to just how cheap and ubiquitous paper had become. Paper as technology moved westward over the centuries. It was in Vietnam in the 3rd century, India in the 7th century, Central Asia in the 8th century, and Islamic countries in the 10th century. It didn't make it to Europe until the 11th century, and by that time there were actually some paper mills being operated in France. However, it all started in China. The third great invention is gunpowder. There were proto-gunpowder mixtures going back as far as the 2nd century in China. Most of it involved the properties of burning saltpeter. The mixture was finally in a usable state in the 9th century during the Tang Dynasty. It's believed that the invention of gunpowder was probably an accident by an alchemist trying to create the elixir of life. The recipe for gunpowder first written down was for 6 parts sulfur to 6 parts saltpeter to 1 part birthwort herb. This recipe wouldn't be a true explosive, however, because the ratio of saltpeter or potassium nitrate was too low. The first weapons were fire arrows, which were just arrows with bags of gunpowder attached. Over the next few centuries, the recipe for gunpowder improved and its use as a weapon increased with the development of bombs and other devices. Unlike paper, knowledge of gunpowder spread relatively rapidly. Gunpowder only required a knowledge of a simple formula to be spread. It was in the Middle East in the early 12th century, and Roger Bacon was mentioning it in Europe just two decades later. And a few decades after that, it was actually being produced in Europe. Early Europeans writing about gunpowder recognized it as an invention from China, but that was forgotten in subsequent generations. The fourth and final great invention of China was the compass. The discovery that lodestone, aka the mineral magnetite, would align with the Earth's magnetic field was made over 2,000 years ago during the Han Dynasty. It was originally called the South Pointing Fish. Surprisingly, for almost a thousand years, the compass was not used for navigation. It was simply a novelty and used for divination. It wasn't until the Song Dynasty around the year 1040 when it first was documented for use in navigation, and another century after that before it was used for maritime navigation. There's also evidence of Chinese magnetizing needles and using a wet compass with a floating needle. While the record is quite clear that the compass was first discovered in China, it isn't clear that the technology was disseminated from China like paper and gunpowder. The first written use of a compass for navigation in Europe occurred in the late 12th century, very soon after it was first used for navigation in China. Either the compass was transferred much faster from China to Europe than any other technology at the time, skipping the Islamic world by several decades, or it was discovered independently. Here I'll reference my previous episode on the journeys of Admiral Zheng He, and how he was making long journeys on massive ships centuries before the European Age of Exploration. This was in large part due to the compass. As I mentioned before, in the 16th century, Europeans spread the myth of the three great inventions, even though none of them were invented in Europe. In 2017, Chinese state media began to talk about the four new inventions of China. The four new inventions were high-speed rail, mobile payments, e-commerce, and bike sharing. The problem, of course, is that none of these things were invented in China. High-speed rail was first unveiled in Japan with their Shinkansen trains. Mobile payments were first developed in Scandinavia. Bike sharing was created in the Netherlands. And modern e-commerce was developed in the early internet in the United States. I guess the four new inventions, like the three great inventions of Europe, only shows that what goes around comes around. And I don't know if anybody ever invented that. 
The associate producers of Everything Everywhere Daily are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. I wanted to give a heads up to everyone that I'll be running encore shows the rest of this week. I'm actually going to be going on a trip for the first time in a year and a half. And for a guy who spent a big part of his life traveling around the world, that's a pretty big deal. I'm actually not going that far. It's a two-hour bus ride to Milwaukee, but it is more than I've done in the last 18 months. I'll be speaking at a conference and staying at a real hotel and talking to real people in person. So I'm calling it a trip, and it's the closest thing that I've had to a vacation in a long time. I'm hoping to use this break as an opportunity to get my sleep schedule back to normal, as I've been going to bed at 5 in the morning most days. Statistically speaking, many of you haven't heard these shows, so they'll be new to you, and for the rest of you, probably doesn't hurt to brush up on the old material. While I'm gone, I'm hoping to get ahead with my episode writing. I now have over 500 episode ideas on my master list, so I have a lot of ideas to work on. And remember, if you want to contribute to the master list, you can do so by becoming a patron over at patreon.com. 